بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والله السلام عليكم everybody welcome to our first ever official episode of the MSA take first ever official sisters episode yes. is. so today we are joined with our lovely guest the vice president of the MSA Mehreen السلام عليكم everyone my name is Mehreen and I study optometry at UNSW I'm a third year student at the moment Um, that's pretty much it and I spend most of my free time with the MSA. So what actually drove you to be a part of the MSA? What events have you experienced in your life for you to be at this position right now where you're the vice president of the MSA? Yeah. Walk us through, let's, let's start with your first ever interaction with the MSA and then your timeline to how you got to here. So ba- I went to a high school where they used to have societies and I joined the MSA there. And after they were leaving, they sort of assigned a group of five people as leaders and I was one of the MSA leaders. And it was, um, of course, not as extravagant as the MSA here. We did have events, we did market it, we would have stalls. And that was sort of my introduction to it. And I find it, I really liked it because it was a, a way for me to connect to people with the same belief as me. Because growing up in Australia, I grew up with people that were from all these different countries and it was always the sense of, you know, do I fit in with them, mm. uh, do I belong and I grew up in an area where you don't see a lot of Muslims. So when I joined the MSA and there were all these Muslim people, the thing that connected us was Islam and it was never a thing of you're from here or you're from there, we all, all sort of connected and I think that really gave me a good perception and our teacher there was very supportive We did a lot of great things like get our first prayer room and, you know, having those little accomplishments really um, pushes you mm-hmm. to do more. So when I joined uni back in 2020, and it was amazing for the first couple of weeks until COVID came. Mm-hmm. And then we were all in lockdown. In lockdown, it was a great time of reflection. And I thought I probably won't join MSA at uni. I don't know. I sort of um, never really thought about it like that until end of 2020 my friend just randomly sent me like this post from MSA saying they have an AGM and as a joke I was like I'll join it you know I was a bit hesitant at first because in the first weeks so I think maybe it was a week or week one of uni I walked past the MSA stall and I was a bit scared and intimidated I didn't see any sisters yeah, there and it was yeah. only brothers and with beads and I was like oh my god yeah, yeah. I <laughs> walked up to the stall and I walked away well, like I was really intimidated and I never looked back for a whole year until my friend sent me that um, post. So as a joke, I was like, I'll join. And um, I'm a person that naturally leans more towards leadership. I wasn't that great at marketing or design, didn't have m- much experience there. Um, so I was like, you know, I'll just join. As a joke, I went for president and vice president and secretary. Um, yeah, of course, I didn't get any one of those positions, understandably. But I just joined and I was put into the sister social lead position and alhamdulillah, I think that was the best thing for me at that time. I was new to the MSA, I didn't have a lot of experience and me being a very social person, I was really put into a position where I excelled the most, I learned the most. Mm-hmm. I was able to go and join all these other departments like Dawa and learn from Dawa, see marketing, design, sort of interact with them and sort of become good at what I do already like talk to people but this time it's more for the sake of Allah mm-hmm. like you are socializing with these people meeting these new people sort of inviting them to Islam 
in a subtle way. Like all these Muslims on campus, it's not always easy to put yourself out there. But now you're sort of becoming that connection for them to the MSA as a socials lead. And I think that was the best thing for me at that time, alhamdulillah. And then, you know, as the year progressed, I didn't ever think I was going to be VP. I just, I was just relaxing with my role as, you know, just chilling as socials lead until uh, our president, uh, sorry, our VP had to leave and go to another uni. And so... I sort of, you know, started considering it then and it just sort of happened, you know. Um, and, yeah, I'm just here now. But I never, when I became VP, I never saw myself as VP. I always saw myself as ex-sister social lead. I couldn't let go of that. So I would always just say, you know, I, was, I would just be myself. I just did what I used to do, but now I had a bit more responsibilities. Initially, you don't realise what the VP role entails until you get to it. Hmm. There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of that thing that you don't expect that people sort of look up to you whether you like it or not. There's a lot of things you have to push yourself and your boundaries a bit more yeah. and go out of your comfort zone. On that note, let's go back to last year. So as Sister Social Lead, what was your favourite project that you worked on? My favourite project which started it all off was the Sisters Welcome Night. It was my first event and I took it to heart. I gave it all i decorated it went with the floral theme and the turnout was amazing it was, it was so beautiful it yeah. was so pretty and it was my first interaction with the broader sisters outside the msa and working more with the sisters on the shura because i was a stranger i didn't know anyone on the shura i didn't i had never been to msa before and i en- ended up on shura somehow and it was working with all these sisters around me and it was before i came to uni i made this dua and I always asked Allah to surround me with company that remind me of Him. And that was sort of a moment I realized that dua was fulfilled, even though I forgot about it. It was a year from that time. And I sort of embraced it. And after that, I've only been, I've been blessed more, but I've, I've been really grateful for it. And that, that, was, that started it all off for me. That's why I continue to try my best to be there for the sisters on campus or um, create this sisterhood because that's... That, that's where it started for me. Yeah. 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 I want to linger a bit more on last year. So we first met each other at the first Shura meeting, which was held at Perfectus in Auburn. Yeah. And one of the activities we've done there, which is like typical icebreaker, but two truths and a lie. So just to get to know you a little bit more and just for a little bit of fun, we're going to ask you to give us your two truths and a lie. And then Samaya and I will try and decipher it and figure out which one they are. Okay. I don't remember what truths and a lie I used then. I do remember one of them. I don't want to make it obvious. So one being I... Ooh, this is <laughs> difficult. I, I, if I take too much time, you will know it's a lie. Let me think about it. And take the same amount of time for everything, so we're not suspicious. <laughs> oh my God, it's so difficult. Okay. Um, I'm the middle child. I failed my driver's test two times and i failed my driver's test four times oof okay oh wow what's the game plan samuel okay i think hmm. okay the both to do with driver's test the two times and four times so one of them is the truth one of them is a lie yeah how bad do you think i am at driving all right mm. let's have you <laughs> i'm about to get suspended very soon but uh, well um i feel like four is really specific you know it's like a Four times, it's kind of like... But would you mention it unless it's happened four times? It could be two. 
Okay. I feel like I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that could be the truth because. Because it's like you're not going to mention yeah, it if it didn't happen like four times. Yeah, and four is like such a specific number as well. Yeah, all okay. right. Uh, but at the same time, like, is, is that supposed to throw us off? So you're definitely a middle child. Yeah. That's yeah. the truth. Yes. You can tell. Yeah. The, I don't know, I'm going to say that failing driver's test twice is the lie. Yes, me too. Do you agree? I agree. All right, tell four us. Four times is way too. Specific. The lie was I failed the driver's test two times. So oh. I actually did. Yeah. Yeah. I sat, I sat my driver's test five five times. The first time I couldn't drive because something was missing. Three times I failed and then I passed on my fifth time. Damn. Well, I mean. It was a big a test of patience. Every time booking it and wa- waiting for a month because it was COVID, mm. I didn't give up. I tried mm. and I got it. Well, I mean, I'm not that bad. Well, at least no. you can drive. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten better. But yeah. yeah, I've been. I can testify. I've been with Marina in the car. She's a really good driver. Yeah, I don't know why she's getting. She gives a good driver vibes. <laughs> but um, yeah, what you said previously about making dua before you came to uni, like I know Joanne and I, like we've been, we've sort of grown up in a predominantly Muslim area. You know, we're exposed to a lot of people that practice the same faith as faith mm-hmm. as us. We both went to Islamic schools, yeah. so we were sort of brought around that culture. And I remember a lot of the times um, people used to tell us, oh, you're going to an Islamic school, you're sheltered, everything is spoon-fed to you, wait till you go out to the real world. Yeah, yeah. That's the amount of times we heard that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, okay, I get it. But um, it's like they always tell us, like, when you're out in the real world, when you get a job, when you go to uni, that's when the real test begins. That's what I, we've been hearing our whole, t- like, our whole lives. And because it's so ingrained in our head, I was genuinely worried. You look at people, like, um, you know, they would probably have a certain lifestyle before uni and then when they start university, they completely change or they completely stray away from, you know, the path that we would, you know, think is the right path. I was genuinely worried about that because we've heard that so many times and we've been warned about it. So I still also think, okay, so I'm used to going to this Islamic school, I grew up in an Islamic environment, I'm going to start university and it's going to be so many different types of people, so many types of people. And it's like, how do we sort of fit in? Okay, yeah, we go to university to get a degree, to get a good job. But honestly, like nothing is more important than holding on to your faith and your religion and then always remembering Allah because a lot of the times we're so caught up in getting a good job where we sort of forget what the main purpose is, what the main test is. Because achieving all of that, you can also like, you know, yeah, you achieved all of that, but at what cost? So I used to make dua, like, yeah, like, when I start, like, university, same with, like, I was I was really able to relate with what Mehreen said. Um, when I start university... No matter what happens, I still don't want to forget my faith and I still want to c- hold mm. on to that and just um, let me be in an environment where I can hold on to that. Like, yeah, just I don't want to be influenced. <laughs> and honestly, starting off in UNSW, um, it was like I, it was like first year, you know, I felt like an imposter. Like, I'm a third year now, but when I was a first year, and, and every single time I go to any class, I ask everybody, like, what year are you in? Everyone's a third year. But when I was a first year and I was asking people, like, what year are you in? They'd be like, I'm a fourth year. And I'd be like, damn, where are all the first years at? Like, no one's there. So I still feel like such an imposter. And I remember my first tutorial, our tutor was like to us, um, she literally just blurted it out. She goes like, does anybody have like trouble fitting in into uni? And like, she probably expected somebody to raise their hand. But like, I just, I didn't raise my hand because uh, it's not really about fitting in. And then she was like, you know, my, I myself, I'm actually an ex-Muslim. I used to be a Muslim, but you know, it's really hard to fit into university where everybody drinks. And I, um, so then I started, to, so it's really hard, isn't it? And she expected people to put their hand up. Like, it's really hard to be at uni without drinking. And um, obviously I didn't like, you know, like I ignored that. 
And so she was just like telling us like how she was an ex-Muslim and then she changed religions and then like to like sort of like to fit in kind of. And now her whole entire faith is like sort of like derailed. So I was thinking about that. And then I remember that was the first time I was like, wow, like I felt like that was like directed at me, you know. But that's when I felt like a bit more scared. We, we created this sisterhood here that like wherever you wherever you go, most of my friends, you know, they remind me of my re- like my religion, remind me of my deen. And honestly, I feel like my iman, like iman has actually improved since high school. I was so scared of being detached to it. And because of this sisterhood that we've cultivated here at uni, everyone reminds you of your, the true purpose and your true goal. And I feel like that's the most important thing. So Alhamdulillah, we can say that we've, you know, hold on to this faith and this religion. So that's one thing we can be really grateful for. Yeah, and what I can take from what you guys both shared is that the MSA isn't like, I know that some people might have this idea that it's some exclusive elitist society just mm. for people who came from Islamic schools or from certain schools or I don't know, whatever you oh, want to say. Yeah. No. But literally, um, you don't realise just how diverse it is and beautifully diverse it is until you come here. Like We have a mix of people who came from, so before they started uni, way different experiences to each other but the way we all come together and we share that and we still there are still common grounds between us and there are really cool interests that we share um and yeah it's just really nice to know that we're not coming out of school and just like sticking with our own like high school friends it's really easy for us to do that and stay in our comfort zone but coming to the msa and like you can apply this to any society really at uni you just meet new people and yeah, like reaching out. It's, there's a lot of times you're like um, putting yourself out there, getting yourselves in new situations. It's really intimidating to meet new people, especially like what when you're 18 years old, straight out of school. Yeah, and that's like um, like for me as well. <clears throat> coming as I mentioned earlier, coming from an Islamic school, I was like, I was <laughs> there's this fear, like you know, finally out in the big wide open world. Everyone's been warning me, so I was like, as soon as I get to uni, um, just find a group of good Muslims that I can get, like you know become friends with and start my company with them just so I know that at least while I'm trying this new thing or experiencing this new chapter in my life that there is something comfortable that I'm working with and that's the MSA. I'm going back on that I just have a question for Mahreen so you mentioned that you were in your MSA in your high school right uh, I just wanted to ask like if you could remember the way you were at that age when you were in a you, you know like not a predominantly Muslim area but like you were still very involved in the MSA compared to how you are now how would you say your imam has changed from then to now? I think um, growing up, I always sort of felt a connection with you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was always something pulling me back towards him. Everyone experiences hardships in life or distractions and everything. But I believe that when you truly want something, you always get it. And of course, Allah is guiding you. So when you know um, something came towards my way, like related to Islam or religion, I would walk towards it as well. You have to make that effort. And my iman at that time, I would say I, of course, believed in Allah. I was having my own struggles. But I always knew that, um, you know, Islam is the right faith. I had that taqwa. I had that faith. But if you talk about iman, I think, of course, your iman grows the more you embrace Islam. I do think that I become more disciplined in my idea. I know that growing up, I wasn't that educated when it came to Islam, it was very cultural. You know, you have to pray five times a day, what your do's and don'ts are. Sometimes you don't even know the difference between culture and religion. Yeah. But 
getting more into the MSA, you know, learning more, embracing those opportunities, workshop, classes, I've learned so much. Um, my knowledge has increased and with your knowledge, the things you want to do change as well. So I think Iman grows as you embrace Islam more, as you learn more, as you gain more knowledge. So it's a natural process. It will happen. But for anyone that is going through that journey, whether they are somewhere where they feel like they know nothing, we all know nothing. Like if you, there's an ocean out there that we, um, of knowledge that we do not know. So never compare your journey to others. I think everyone has Iman and faith at some level, even if it's a grain of seed. And it will grow, but if you nourish it. So make sure you are taking that step towards Islam, towards Allah. And it will come to you. It will, it will never go the other way. Unless you turn your face away from Allah, that's only when you know guidance is taken. But if you walk towards it, your iman and faith will grow. And just nourish it. Just allow that process. And it's very natural. If you're going to come into the MSA with a different mindset of um, these, this is an elite society like Joanne said or people are going to judge me or I'm going to be different, then you're going to get what you came in for. You know, you will see those things will be pointed out to you because you came looking for them. You need to come in with an open mind, an open heart. Know that there are good and bad people everywhere. Take from the good and from the bad, learn. But be that good for other people. If you feel like it's a place where there's no good, then be that good for other people instead of just going the other way and then um, advocating about it the wrong way. Yeah. Try to be a source of goodness for others and then goodness will come to you. Yeah, yeah it's so inspiring. Yeah. It was really inspiring and really relatable too, especially what you mentioned. You know, it's easy for you to express your faith and your religion when you're around like-minded people that, you know, remind you of your, remind you of your deen and remind you to pray. But we're not always, we're, we're going to be in different parts of our life. We're not always going to be around people that remind you of your faith. You're always going to be surrounded by different like types of people, whether you're at work. And it's easy to like, you know, change yourself to fit in. If you take a step forward to your faith, it's easier for you to follow it. And even when you're in an environment where you might feel like, you know, or people are people might be like judging me or something like, especially say you're in an environment where everybody around you, you're the only Muslim. But everybody around you are like non-Muslims. Um, and say, for example, I don't know, you were at work and you wanted to go pray or something. Um, I know a lot of people, honestly, even myself, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go um, go for a second. But I don't say why. I'm just like, I'm just going to go for mm. a second so I can pray. Why can't I just say, you know, why can't we just say, oh, I need to go and pray? Even when it comes to Muslims themselves, sometimes your own people will give you a hard time um, because they grew up in a culture environment and now... Um, you know, when you're practicing maybe the right way, people give you a hard time. So never base your iman or faith on your environment. It's always going to change. The people that you had, even the good people that reminded you of Allah, they might go away because everyone has a life, you know, people get busy. But that is a test in itself. Sometimes you will be surrounded by family that makes it hard for you. Sometimes a group of friends that might not be the best influence. But base your faith off, um, know that this life is a test. You have to, you have to, Endure that test, but you can't base your iman on, um, you know, if this bad thing happened to me, so I'm going to go against or this bad, or if it's getting too hard, I'm going to run away, or I need to have the right group of friends, and that's when I'm going to start praying, or that's when I'm going to go start getting education. No, you have your own journey, and in that journey, you will be asked about you the things you have done, no one else. So make sure that you're constantly keeping your intentions in check looking within, renewing your you know, faith, 
um, seeking knowledge and doing all these things regardless of what's happening around you mm-hmm. because nothing is constant in this life. Yeah. You mentioned that like that's the real test, you know, holding on to that. And like just adding to that, always firmly practice your faith just because you're around a certain environment, don't you know, adjust things or like make like say for example your religious practices like don't you know reword it compromise them or water your religion down just to please in yeah like tell them exactly the beautiful thing i heard the other day is that as muslims if you practice your religion properly you will never fit into this society so if you're trying to fit in then you're setting yourself up for failure from the beginning because as muslims in a world today which supports all these movements and isms and all these things it will, it's never going to be in line with your beliefs. So the only way for you to fit in is either follow the way or compromise. Exactly. And we don't do that in Islam. You have to stay, stay firm on your ways because Islam came from for all of mankind, not just for a particular time. So it, don't try to go in there into this out, you know, great big world university trying to fit in. Go in it, be yourself, hold on to your values. Um, accepting other people doesn't mean following their values. Accepting other pe- me- yeah. people means respecting them for in- as individuals, but you don't have to accept their beliefs to be able to respect them. In Islam, we are taught to respect all of mankind. Yeah. And it's like also easier said than done. I know like a lot of people, they just, they want to be liked, you know, you want everybody to like you. What's the, like, what are you, who are you trying to please? You know, even if you want people to like you, mm. then you might, you might be at a risk of compromising something in your faith. So next, like, I remember um, when I first started, like, one of my first jobs, um, I used to, like, need to pray. Uh, and then I used to just go downstairs and pray and come back up. Like, I wouldn't tell anyone, oh, I'm, I'm going to go pray. I just used to go pray and then come back up. And when people say, where did you go? Uh, like, this is just, I'm like, from my experience, I'd be like, oh, I just went downstairs. Like, but I don't know why. Like, I, I'm not, like, I should say, like, I prayed. But I don't know why there was something holding me back from saying, like, oh, I went to pray. So I remember once, so this was like the second week in, I just prayed at a, like, an open spot. And then somebody, I was like in my head, I was like, oh, I hope nobody like just walks in on me. And then somebody walked in on me praying. And then and then that person was like, and that person was a Muslim. And she understood that I was praying. She goes like, oh, we have like a secluded area. You can just go pray there. And I was like, wow, like people are so understanding. When you respect yourself and your own values and you're firm with it, everybody else will be understanding towards mm. that. You just have to set that boundary for, for yourself and for other people to know. And honestly, like, I know a lot of people, you know, want to be liked. But if you actually just said it straight, I'm a Muslim, I need to pray, I need to do this, do that. People will like you because they'll ha- they'll respect you because they know that you're firm. Muslims, like, we're strong in our faith. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we still pray. You know what this reminds me of? It was one thing about, you know, no matter how much you try to please people, you can never please everyone. No, never. So only try to please Allah. Yeah. And it reminds me of this... Um, I don't know if it's a hadith, but this saying of um, those that displease Allah at the cost of pleasing people, then, um, you know, what have you gained? But if you you have to displease people at the cost of pleasing Allah, then Allah forces the people to become pleased with you. So that's exactly what you were talking about. If you respect your own values and religion, people automatically respect it. It's actually a learning process. It's easier to, you know, think that, but it's such a learning process to come at that stage. Um, yeah, just continuing back from that story, like I was praying in a secluded room and then somebody opened the door and I was like, oh, like I'm in the, I'm doing my sujood and somebody just opened the door. They're just watching me doing su- sujood. And that person that opened the door was like the CEO of the company. She literally walked in on me and then I broke my prayer. Astaghfirullah. But, and I was like, oh, and then she was like, no, 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 continue what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. She goes like, no, no. And then I was like, first of all, like, why did I say sorry? Like, I'd have been like, oh, I'm praying. And then she was like, oh, um, it's okay. It's okay. No, no, no. Continue, continue. And then, um, 
And then she just left. And then when I went upstairs, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like the CEO just walked in on me praying. And like, I had, and at that point, like I still haven't told everybody like, oh, I went downstairs to pray. I just need to tell people, so just disappear. And they'll be like, where did she go? I'll be like, oh, I just went downstairs. And they're like, okay. So then um, I went upstairs and I was like, guess what, everybody? I went, I was praying. And then the CEO walked in on me. Like I kept telling, like, it was just such a crazy story to me. I went around and telling all the co-work, all my coworkers that I was praying and that um, the CEO walked in on me. And then that's when, you know, once you break that barrier once, it's easy to say it. Like, you know, and then a lot of my coworkers were like, oh, wow, she must have been really proud of you to see that you're, someone actually said this to me, like, oh, she must have been like really proud to see that, you know, you're, you're practicing your faith. Like, that's really inspiring. That's actually a form of dawah for some people. It just then. starts with curiosity and then yeah. it stems from there. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, that's just... It's just crazy, like, just stick to your own faith and then everybody will develop that. And for anyone who might be struggling speaking up about it, the fact that we're university students, it's pretty low stakes for us. So at uni, for the most part, everyone is res- pretty respectful. So it's it might be a bit harder when you're working, you might feel a bit intimidated, but, but at uni, you can really start preparing yourself and getting more confident with speaking up with your classmates, your tutors, your lecturers, and knowing that, okay, at uni, I can be... I can be comfortable with saying this, like, you know, oh, after class, I'm going to go to the prayer room and go there. And then once you get into that habit, now we're here for a few years, you get into that habit from now. And then once you do enter the workforce, you're just more comfortable with it. And you're, you're prepared, like, you know, you've done this before. It's not like you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, when you... And you, Allah makes it easy for you. I remember yeah, yeah. when I started working, initially it was really hard for me to, you know, be like, I need to pray, like, I need to take a break. Sometimes it gets really busy. So you need to go and pray because you have to pray. So in the beginning, it was really hard for me to, you know, talk to them and be like, I need to pray. Now it's as easy as me just telling them, okay, I'm just going to go pray. I'll be yeah. back. And I just go do my thing, pray. Yes, people have walked in on me a few times, but it's fine. Yeah, um, so Allah well. makes it easy. Eventually, you have enough confidence. Allah will put ways, uh, you know, things in your way that just make it easy for you. But you have to start somewhere. It's like, did you think you will live and you won't be tested? Of course you will be tested. It will be hard, but it's about what you want. If you want to please Allah, then... There's always a way for it. Yeah. yeah. And one more, yeah, one more yeah, thing. No, no. I was going to say, um, like, I know, like, me as a person, like, just by default, like, even if I did have nothing to apologize for, I'd be like, oh, sorry. It's yeah, like yeah, literally. Even if there's nothing to be sorry it's, about, it's it like, just slips out. It's like my vocabulary, like, oh, sorry, I did this. Oh, oh, sorry about, like, I just say sorry all the time for, like, no reason. So I remember um, when I have to pray, I'm just like, oh, sorry, I just have to go pray. I know it doesn't sound that deep, like, on a surface level, like, oh, sorry, I have to go pray. But it's really important, like, to not use the word mm. sorry as much. Like, I have to go pray. Don't apologize ever yeah. for, you know, like, like just never sound unsure, like, I have to go pray. Never say sorry, because if you say the word sorry, it sort of, like, implies that... It's inconvenient. Yeah, it's a burden that you have, yeah. you have to go pray. So, like, always, like, from, like, I make it, like, a goal to, like, refrain from saying sorry when I have to, when it's something linked to something that I have to do yeah. religion-wise. Like, oh, sorry, I have to, like... Yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. ever compromise. Refrain, refrain. And in a world full of people proudly flaunting and advocating their beliefs and sometimes shoving them down your throats, mm-hmm. why are you being apologetic when it comes to your faith? Be proud of it. Yes, exactly. And you don't, if you actually think about it, like the world is so big. I remember I saw an article on Channel 9 News 40% of Australia is atheist, like 40%. Mm-hmm. So if you actually put that into perspective, we're actually such a minority. So it's easy to think that, oh, wow, so many people are, like, not Muslim. Like, we're such a small minority. So many people are atheists. So many people are from other backgrounds. You might have, like, doubts, but 
you have to realize that if you're in a majority setting, always like you have to sh- like stay strong to like your own faith. So um, yeah, the main thing based off all of this this conversation, it's just about influence and. I think the root cause of trying to hold back from like these desires or these temptations is honestly just having it ingrained in you what's right and what's wrong. And I think that having a support system around you, even if they're not available all the time, just have just creating a support system around you where everybody you can learn off everybody. So like the MSA, the sisterhood, everybody's unique. Everybody's got their own story. Everybody's got their own experience. And uh, it's just great to have that support system to always remind you so then you can apply it in your uh, daily practices. So that's like the main um, takeaway I'd say mm-hmm. like from having this strong sisterhood. Yeah, thank you both so much for sharing their stories. I think it's time now to wrap up the episode. Yeah, um, before we do that, like just like just question for Mehreen, do you have like one quote of the day or one advice of the day? Um, I always say this, um, so I don't know if you've heard me say it, but it's, I think it's very important to utilise what you have at the moment. So don't worry too much about what has happened. Don't stay too much in the past. Don't worry too much about the future because you don't know what's going to happen. It's not in your control. Make the most of today and what you have and the blessings around you. So instead of worrying too much, look around you and see the blessings and count them and make the most of them and make the best of your youth um, because you won't have this tomorrow. Oh, so inspiring, mashallah. I just wanted to add at the end. Uh, so we would like to open a Q&A panel where you can ask us questions and then we will bring in our guests every fortnight, inshallah, to answer these questions or any thoughts that you have. And yeah, we're really looking um, forward to see what you guys all have to ask. If there's something you really want us to delve into with our future guests as well, please do let us know. So thank you for tuning in to our first ever episode we're really excited that we have finally put this out stay tuned we're going to have a lot more guests come on and we're really i keep saying it excited because we genuinely are it's been a long time coming we've been working on this for a while and it's finally happening so we'll just sign off here